Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of our podcast about City Networks. Today, Sarah and I are going to talk about the City Network, City Hub and Network for Gender Equity, also known as Change. Hi Sarah. Hi Chloe. This network was launched in November 2020 in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has had a serious impact on sexual and sexist violence and has worsened gender inequalities. Change covers six cities. Barcelona, Freetown, London, Los Angeles, Mexico City, and Tokyo. It was its goal to empower women and increase gender equality. We've had the pleasure to interview Angela Kim and Tanya Pineta from Los Angeles, who work on change with Mayor Eric Corsetti. Some parts of the interview about change are integrated in the podcast, and we take some time at the end to talk about the specific role that Eric plays. We hope you are going to enjoy this moment with us. First of all, let's talk about the core features of change and its creation. Since the beginning of 2020, the world has been living at the rhythm of the COVID-19 pandemic. One of the side effects of the pandemic is the increase of gender inequalities. The world witnessed a rise in domestic violence against girls and women. Unemployment caused by the pandemic is also more important among women than among men. For instance, in the United States, 80% of the employees that dropped out of the workforce in September 2020 were women. It is during this very particular period that the network change was launched. Tanya, Angela, did the COVID-19 crisis trigger the, the creation of the network or was it independent? Yeah, so um, actually the mayor Garcetti of Los Angeles announced his intent to launch and establish the network way before COVID. So in October of 2019, uh, it was announced that we were going to launch this network. And the first, initially the thought was to launch it in March of 2020, but because of COVID, um, all the cities uh, you know, turned into emergency response mode and we delayed the launch until November. The launch of the network follows an analysis of the World Economic Forum that states that if the situation continues as it goes nowadays, the gender pay gap would only end in 257 years. Therefore, the six cities decided to gather together to work on this issue of gender inequalities and create the first global network in this realm. The member cities are convinced that local policies are a key factor to tackle gender inequalities. So during the launch of the network, Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, stated that nowadays local governments can and should lead the fight against gender inequalities. And Angela also expressed the importance of cities during the interview. So cities have uh, control over a lot of things that impact residents directly. Um, so that goes from zoning, um, so city planning and transportation and how water and electricity is distributed. Um, access to services like the library is often run by cities. Um, in some other cities, not Los Angeles, education is also overseen by cities. Public health is overseen by cities. Uh, not the case here, but it's very common around the world. So cities have a, a lot of things that they can change that directly impacts the residents, right? Now that change and its origin have been described, let us provide you with a SWOT analysis of a network. What we mean? is we are going to describe its strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Let's start this analysis by discussing the strengths of the network. 
One of the major strengths of change is that the network covers global cities, which are already part of other city networks. For instance, Los Angeles, London, Barcelona, and Mexico City are members of C14. Therefore, the cities already have the experience of working hand in hand with other cities and are already connected. Moreover, launching such a network during November 2020 is also a strength. Indeed, as discussed at the beginning of the podcast, the COVID-19 pandemic has been worsening gender inequalities. This is an issue seen and discussed all around the world. In addition, the launch of the network followed the Me Too movement, which triggered a huge surge in feminist claims and in the attention paid by the media on them. Therefore, change was launched at a time when gender equality was at the center of discussion, and hence it tackles really current and relevant issues. The last trend for the network we would like to talk about is the diversity of its members. The cities are on different continents and have different ways of dealing with the issue of gender inequalities. It is possible to expect a large spectrum of actions from change. Therefore, these actions can act as examples for other cities. Moreover, the network first aims at focusing on its six founding members in order to set the basis of change, and only then it will expand and be joined by other global cities. The diversity of the founding members will help to reach out to new members. After discussing the strength of change, it's now time to talk about its weaknesses. As it is a new network, it's still difficult to find information about the planned actions and the long-term vision that change has. For instance, it's not clearly explained if and how citizens will have a role in the network. Therefore, this lack of transparency about the way change is willing to function and, and to act represents its major weakness. Moreover, the network does not have a secretariat yet. This can complicate the work between members. Change is still a new network as it is not even one year old. Therefore, there are still a lot of opportunities available to achieve its goals. We explained that launching the network in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic is a strength as the issue of gender inequalities is well debated. This time of launch also represents an opportunity. Because of the pandemic, but also because of climate change, societies all over the world are asking for a renewal. In particular, a green and just recovery is expected. This renewal of societies seems like the perfect moment to introduce gender aspects in our policies. The renewal can and should include a decrease in gender inequalities. In particular, in the case of cities, we witness a willingness to roofing cities to make them more environmentally friendly in order to diminish the risk of pandemic as the COVID-19 crisis highlighted the link between climate change and pandemic risks. Becoming more environmentally friendly also represents for cities the opportunity to reshape their functioning and become more gender friendly. However, even if change will have opportunities to develop and become a key asset in the pursuit of gender equality in the world, some threats to its successes can be seen. One of them is the time of launch. We know that we consider the time of launch as a strength and an opportunity for change. 
We previously stated that the COVID-19 pandemic put the issue of gender inequalities at the center of global discussions, and that a period of renewal with a just recovery is expected by citizens. However, the COVID-19 pandemic has major impacts on different aspects, and the renewal which is asked for should take into account a wide range of parameters, such as health systems, countries' economies, climate change, and so on. Therefore, even if tackling gender inequalities should be at the center of the renewal, there's still a risk that other major issues might take the lead and that gender inequalities become a minor point of focus in the renewal of post-COVID-19 societies. Another threat for the network is that there already exists a variety of networks about gender equality. Change intends to be the first international city network on the subject. However, other networks aiming at tackling gender inequalities already exist, like gendered landscape that gathers EU cities. The issue here is whether or not change is going to propose something new and useful, and whether or not it is going to be able to differentiate itself from existing networks. Angela, Tanya, what's the difference between change and the other networks working on gender equality? Yes, there are other networks and, you know, as change, we acknowledge that there's work that's been done in this space for a very long time. And we're by no means the first one entering the gender equity network um, sphere. But what's different is that change is um, led by cities and for cities, right? So the focus really is on what municipal and other local governments can do to address gender equity in a systematic level. We also want to point out that the outcomes of change depend on the willingness of the mayors, chiefs of government and, govern and governors of the cities. The difference in willingness to act on this issue might change with governmental changes. In particular, the mayors of Barcelona and Freetown, the chief of government of Mexico City and the governor of Tokyo are women. It is possible to guess that they are really committed to tackle gender inequality issues as they might have experienced it. For instance, Mayor Ada Colau of Barcelona is the first female mayor of the city and she's aware that only 20% of mayors in the world are female mayors. The problem is that the next mayors, chiefs of government and governors might not be as committed to the change network as the current ones are. If ever they decided to drop out of the network, it would be detrimental due to its limited size, and it is possible to imagine that the network as a result would lose its influence. The last threat we want to raise is the rise in nationalism that the world has been experiencing for years. On the one hand, cities are now acknowledged as global leaders that often show more political willingness than states to tackle issues such as gender inequalities. But on the other hand, more and more governments across the world are adopting centralization policies and are concentrating power in the hands of the central state. If this is the case for the countries which cities are part of the network, and if the network expands to cities located in more nationalist states, it might again lose its capacity to tackle gender inequalities, both in terms of financial and in terms of material resources. To conclude our thought analysis of change, we want to emphasize the fact that the diversity in different areas of the six city members of change can be seen both as a threat and as an opportunity. The differences can be a strength as it can help them propose really adequate 
country-specific responses to gender inequalities. But it can also threaten the cohesion and ability to design clear common objectives. It is still too soon to determine how change is going to use these different aspects of the diversity of its members and whether they will be in a position to take advantage of them. The different member cities of change are not equally developed. Britain is the capital city of Sierra Leone, which is considered as one of the least developed countries, while Los Angeles is located in one of the most developed countries of the world. Therefore, the challenges linked with gender equality are not the same. In Sierra Leone, for instance, the issue of gender equality has to be tackled along the issue of water access. Moreover, all the cities do not include the same things in the pursuit of gender equality. It is stated on the city website that Barcelona couples feminism with LGBTI affairs, while no mention of LGBTI affairs appears on the gender equality section of the Los Angeles website. Last but not least, all the members are not on the same level of accomplishment regarding gender equality. According to the Gender Inequality Index developed by the United Nations Development Programs in 2020, Japan ranks 24th, while Sierra Leone ranks 155. It will be detrimental to change if the more advanced countries only play the role of advisor for the less advanced countries regarding gender issues, notably because it would probably lower the incentive for the more advanced to tackle these inequalities at home. In the opposite, if the countries use these differences to implement new and original initiatives, this diversity would be an opportunity. Angela, Tanya, how do you, at Change, see the diversity of the members of the network? Cities around the world have more in common than you would think, right? So it's not about the cultural differences or the national differences. These are all cities that have uh, service deliveries um, to their residents and they control these various things that directly impact communities, right? And also gender equity issues. There's there's no um, borders when it comes to unpaid work or the gender parity in paid labor, right? So these things impact cities all over the world. So the focus and what do cities have in common that we can control and change at a systematic level? And how can we learn from each other, right? Just because we have a lot of in common doesn't mean we're all tackling this issue in the same way. And that's something that we've learned um, even in this last year, talking to these other cities, the strategies that they've employed in their cities, and how can we learn from that and launch something similar um, in the city of Los Angeles, right? Um, so the focus is more on what we have in common than what's different. And that hasn't been an issue so far, the cultural differences, right? Because all these cities, uh, the founding cities, were tackling gender equity as it manifests in their local communities, right? But access um, safety when walking down the streets, that's a very common cause that these cities are trying to tackle. So we're focusing on these things and uh, the strategies that cities have employed, as I've said. I, I, yeah, I would even add to just say, I think one of the things we are doing right now is trying to figure out what, what um, common denominators we do have. Um, we're having like each city provide an in-depth presentation and see where um, a lot of our work overlaps, right? So while we might call it like, or while, you know, Tokyo call, might call it gender mainstreaming, um, Barcelona might call it something entirely different. And even though it's meant gender mainstreaming is a very common term in the US as well, I think we, we're still referring it to something different as well. You know, we refer it, um, our formal language is like a gender equity framework. 
well, they're all kind of essentially very similar to one another, but again, the way we approach our, our messaging um, can vary. Uh, so that's one of the things that we're definitely doing is evaluating our common denominators. As previously said, Los Angeles is the first chair of the network change. Therefore, we would like to end this podcast with an interview of Angela and Tanya, who work at the Town Hall of Los Angeles in the gender equity section. Tanya, Angela, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. We'd like to ask you some questions about the role of Los Angeles as a founding member of Change. So LA is the first chair of this network. And what does this position mean for, for you for, as a city and also for the network, do you think? How does it impact it? Yeah, so being chair, uh, there's a lot of responsibilities, right, in bringing cities together, proposing the plan, but it's very much a collaborative effort, right? So the other cities all have ideas on what the action plan for this year should be. Uh, and uh, some of the priorities we have this year is to establish the governance structure, as I mentioned, uh, measuring or establishing metrics and indicators through which to measure our progress. And then one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that uh, Change is currently working on pulling together all this information from the co-founding cities into a toolkit. Uh, so the city of Los Angeles has the gender action uh, toolkit already, uh, but that's specific to Los Angeles, right? Mm -hmm. So what would a similar toolkit look like pulling in the lessons learned from the other five co-founding cities um, and then share that as a work product uh, from Change? Um, and then the chairship, the goal is for the chairship to change in a few years um, so that the network keeps moving along. Um, but the governance structure, again, um, is being worked on right now. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say the details on how many years that would be and what that exactly entails. Um, but we will be sharing all that on our website. LA is already a leader city in terms of gender equality. I mean, a lot of things are already done in the, in the city. So what do you think uh, the membership the membership sorry, of change can help in order to reduce even more the inequalities in, in LA. Yeah, that's, that's very kind of you to say that about Los Angeles. Uh, it's very much appreciated, but there's always more to be learned, right? Um, even last week in our call with um, Barcelona, we learned about the work that they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And how important uh, mandatory training, I think they do, I think they mentioned eight hours of mandatory training every year. Um, and that's how uh, they've managed to really establish gender mainstreaming as a priority for uh, folks that work in local government. Uh, so there's always lessons to be learned. And Mexico City is doing really amazing work on addressing um, security and safety um, and examples um, uh, in public transportation specifically. Um, and then we're also learning from cities that are, that are not currently part of change, right? So um, Canada has some cities that are really leading in gender budgeting work. Um, Buenos Aires has an amazing uh, metric system through which they're measuring gender parity um, um, in, in city government. Um, and it's an open data portal. So there's definitely a lot to be learned. And, and just because LA has done a lot so far, um, doesn't by any means mean that we're entering the space saying, we know how this is done and this is how every other city should do it. Uh, the purpose of a network is very much a learning process and sharing best practices with these other cities uh, because there's always uh, different and better ways to do things. Um, and one other thing to add is that the gender equity space itself is changing a lot. 
um, even in the past year since we started to have these conversations with cities, there's different focuses, right? So there's a renewed focus on looking at gender as an intersection, as an intersecting identity on top of all other identities, right? Um, how does how does when uh, you know when making progress on gender equity, how do we stay uh, true and cognizant of differences in gender expression, identity, um, sexual orientation? These are all parts of uh, gender equity um, that I think we as a network will learn more um, as we talk to each other on how how this um, is moving forward for their own cities. Uh, Tanya, anything else to add? I really just want to express the gender identity part. I think that's something that we're really like taking into consideration because obviously in the past gender has been or the way gender is perceived has been very binary. And one of the things that we're realizing, it's just like Gen Z and uh, the millennials think it's more of a spectrum. And obviously, you know, we have to keep the the opinions and the feedback of the public in mind as we progress this work. So I definitely think that's that's very important. And then I just I apologize to your last question. I might even go as far to say that LA's role in manage is is to project manage um, the network. Um, I might even go as far to say that just given that we are chair, um, you know, and also I think LA was really essential in bolstering the relationship with each of the, the cities. So another question was, how do you think the role of a city like LA can differ from the role of a nation state, uh, of the federal government in the US, of the Californian government in tackling gender inequality issues? Um, and also, what relationships do you have in this in this realm with the government? For instance, if the government does not agree with uh, with LA's priorities in terms of gender inequalities, if we think, for instance, of the Trump administration, I know Biden has replaced Trump at the head of the U.S. government, but you know we were wondering if ever such a government comes again into office and maybe withdraws some funding for for gender uh, equality how do you think the relationships between cities and, and the nation state will be um, and how can you make a difference um, compared to to the nation state in terms of gender equalities i'm happy to answer that um i, I you know i think what um might be different and i think this is also starting to become very common is that this uh gender equity initiative at least for our city really came from the top right so it's something that the mayor and even the first lady his partner really um brought upon and created a focus with there's never been like a gender equity lead before up until this administration and then that's what i was brought on to do we also conducted the first ever report on the status of women and girls um, back in 2015, and that really helped create a baseline for this work. Um, we're also, from what I can recall, the first uh, city to do these like gender equity action plans. Um, so each department that reports to the mayor, there's about 38 of them, they all have these gender equity action plans. Um, and they assign goals. So I think the way in which we've like kind of set up that gender equity framework, some of it's unique, some of it a lot of other cities do, but all those, um, you know, have really helped us stay accountable. And then we also issue um, progress reports twice a year at the moment. 
Um, and we really help departments get from ideas to actions um, through those action plans and help them, uh, uh, yeah, pretty much accomplish their goals. Um, but, you know, as they're developing their goals, we do kind of coach them. There's a pretty in-depth coaching process that occurs and there's a pretty in-depth um, feedback process that occurs as well. And then we're constantly pivoting this work. So sometimes, you know, I might propose something and it doesn't work. So the next round of updates will incorporate some of those updates into, into the process as well. And just uh, something to add, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tanya, but I think in this administration at the city, it's the first time that all the boards and commissions achieve gender parity. Right? So that's a very formal system through which residents um, advise the city, but also provide oversight in some departmental cases directly uh, to city government. And that's not something that can be mandated at the federal level, right? So it's an initiative out of local government saying, hey, we want to achieve gender parity in all of our boards and commissions. Um, and I think most of these positions are appointed. Um, so it's a, a first line of tackle uh, for gender equity at the city level. Yeah, that's right. I think as a result of like our framework, we've seen uh, successes and best practices. And I would definitely say that achieving gender parity, I mean, my it, it is binary gender parity. So I will say that, but um, that in, in terms is like an accomplishment um, as a result of this framework that we've been able to. Thank you very much, Tanya and Angela. This episode about change has now come to an end. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a nice half-term break and see you in our next class.